Don't miss The Marvels in theaters on November 10th and see where the Marvel stories all began when you watch Captain Marvel, WandaVision, and Miss Marvel only on Disney+. Plus. Plan starting at $7.99. On November 10th, Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson reunite on the big screen as Captain Marvel and Nick Fury to assemble the MCU's next team, the Marvels. After Captain Marvel gets her powers entangled with teenage superhero Miss Marvel and Captain Monica Rambeau, the three heroes will learn teaming up changes everything. Don't miss Captain Marvel's return November 10th in The Marvels, only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Get your tickets now. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hi, Fem fam. Happy, happy, uh, well, it'll be a Friday release today, so happy Friday to our listeners. Happy season um, 13. <laughs> season 13. Wow. What an amazing episode we're dropping today for you. I really loved all the avenues it took. I mm-hmm. mean, we get into writing, TV pilots, sex cults. You get everything <laughs> in this episode. How um, L.A.? <laughs> Very L.A. This this episode's very L.A., but in the also best way of mm-hmm. understanding the industry. So today we had on the show Catherine Guerin. She is a actor, producer, writer. She is half indigenous, half peruana. She is just a mix of everything. And uh, she's also the creator of Elisa's Almost 30 and the writer of The Whistling Trees, which we get into on the show. These two different projects both sound amazing, different in formats and genres. And we just really ourselves learned a lot of the resources and tools she used. And also just like how hard she works is just so inspiring. And also just you you see the payback yeah. from all the years and work she's put in and the connection she's made. And it's achievable. Like it's not... It's hard, but it's achievable. And I, I think it really speaks to where she is today. And mm-hmm. it's very exciting to see and, and inspiring to us. Yeah. And I know we've had a lot yeah. of filmmakers on that, you know, they they created their own work, whether they funded it themselves or not, but like they got it out there like themselves. And now we're kind of seeing, you know, she's currently pitching and she's had a lot of success with like, she had great coverage from like her first draft of something, which is like unheard of. And then that got her in the door. And then she attached some names to her project and that got her in other doors and just, you know, really how to, how to, uh, actually market your, your project and all the right ways, the right steps to take, you know, that we hear about in classes and books (laughs) and stuff, but like we don't really get to hear a lot of people's experiences with that that are successful. So today you finally do. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree, Tessa. Like we get like, oh, you know, attach a a star to your short, like, or your film and your pitch and all that. But it's like, how does all of this process works? And you get to see in this conversation how it kind of becomes this rolling ball down the hill effect of Mm -hmm. like, okay, this starts coming together. And then all of a sudden you have an amazing team behind you. So um, guys, get your little notepads out today. Take get these takeaways. They are golden and enjoy the show. Enjoy.
Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. And that's something that I want to stress for people is like that it is a lot of work mm -hmm. and you have to really enjoy it, you know, because there is a ton that you have to do. And I think that as, you know, actors and, you know, wanting to produce their own work, they need to know that, yeah, like you have to be ready to really put in the work. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to get into you as a, a content creator too. That was something we're like, oh, she really does push like YouTube or Reels or like really pushes her content out there. Yeah. And you were saying that how you enjoy acting so much and like, but being an actor creator, even producing, if you don't like it, like it's all about creating work. The more I've spoken to other industry professionals on how I can better grow as even a producer, but they're like, if you really are like enjoying writing and directing, wanting to do that and not just work for like a company or like just get, do uh, what's called audition for roles, then you have to just keep creating your own work yeah. mm -hmm. any yeah. way you can. And I was like, oh, okay. That's hard, obviously, when you have life still to manage and bills to pay, but that is what you need to just focus on doing in any way. Like, yeah, I mean, it has changed my life. Like creating the content and creating work has completely changed my life in ways that auditioning and acting would probably have taken me another 10 to 15 years to get mm. where I'm at in terms of the meetings that I'm having, the pitch meetings that I'm having, mm -hmm. the contacts that I've made and what's happening in my career is like, it's all due to me putting myself out there. Yeah, makes yes. sense. Make, yes, to like, totally makes sense. Like we felt that instantly yeah. when we're like, we're now kind of, we're producers. Like, okay. Yeah. And it gives you that extra background and, and another and way to enter the room and credibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so let's dive into like where did you start in your journey as as an actor, and sure. that led you to now producing and getting into those those meetings. Sure. Yeah, what sure. was that yeah. like? Yeah, so I started out kind of like in the commercial world in San Francisco, where I'm from. I'm from the Bay Area, born and raised. Um, and I was, you know, in my early twenties and making really good money and. I was like, okay, well, LA is not that far away. You know, this is what I love. And the market is so small in San Francisco where it's like you've worked everything possible you could work and you're now just like working with the same companies over and over. Yeah. So um, I moved down to LA and, and again, I just hit the ground running in terms of commercial work and had great agents in both the commercial and print world. And for a good like eight years, I just really made a name for myself and... Um, you know, booked like nationals and international campaigns. And it was so fun. Like it was so, so fun. And I loved being on set and yeah. being on set really opened my eyes to like, wow, there's so many people that put in so much work behind a project. I want to be involved in this part mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. as much as, especially in commercial acting where it's like, you don't really even have like a script, like maybe you have like three lines, but you know, it's like, I wanted to be creatively fulfilled. Like my brain was always like, I want to tell my own stories. Yeah. Um, so in 2017, totally. I, on a whim, entered like this film festival that was put on by the LA Film Festival um, in conjunction with Danny Elfman, the composer, mm -hmm. where uh, Danny Elfman lent like five of his scores out to filmmakers and said, make a short film um around my score that's and so, so cool. wow that's know, awesome amazing because as you know as filmmakers getting music is you know one of the most difficult things to do <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so um 
so yeah, I made a short film, like the deadline was in like five days. I had never done anything like this before. I just like searched Craigslist for like anyone that I could find. Um, <laughs> thankfully a, a friend actor, you know, just agreed to be in it. Um, and it was going to be judged by Oscar winners like Gus Van Sant and, um, and the winners would be able to screen at the LA Film Festival. Mm -hmm. And so my film ended up winning fan favorite um, with over 500,000 views within 10 days of being online. Wow. And I got to the LA Film Festival and meet all these Oscar winners and other filmmakers oh and, and screen. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, what? This is my first little thing. And oh my God, I look back on it and I just like cringe at how awful <laughs> We get that. We all do. <laughs> yeah. We're always like, I want to see it. I want, I'm like, no, you don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so that kind of kicked off my, my filmmaking journey. I became really like obsessed and in love with the whole process, especially writing. Um, and so I, I wrote another short film that ended up getting picked up by Amazon Prime and Shorts TV and wow. another streaming service. Um, Were they hosting like a program specific for new writers to, to pitch or did you just no. find a way to connect and pitch it to them? Yeah, I just submitted my work. I just submitted my work to them and oh they God. responded and they were <laughs> like, yeah, we want, we want your work. And they paid me for it, not very much. Um, <laughs> and so that's when I realized that if I wanted to make money at this, short films were not the way to go. Yeah. Because in a film festival way, because I looked at, you know, like, let's see what this would look like in terms of submitting it to film festivals. Yeah, but that's a great all, experience. It's to, like, a great, do that. great experience. But, you know, you have to like set aside money. I didn't know that, mm -hmm. like, in the, in, for, for that, because, you know, it is, cost prohibitive that you know film festivals cost money yeah yeah submit so you definitely need to like make that a part of your budget which I didn't and so financially for me it didn't make sense so I was like okay if I really want to make money at this I need to make a feature film mm -hmm. um that's what we came to yeah. terms with too or like exactly that's like what you exactly have. Yeah. like the film, yeah if you want to like do short films to like get your name out there and you that's know great. hopefully hit like the big five of like Sundance and TIFF and South by Southwest that's a fantastic route mm -hmm. but um I was like if I'm gonna put my money into this I might as well invest it into a feature and so um that's that's when I really started to study the art of like screenwriting um because I was like kind of self-taught at that point I you know, I had mentors helping me, thankfully, um, from working in the industry for so long, I just like knew writers, like I knew writers that were on network TV shows and, you know, had their own Netflix mm -hmm. series. And so they really taught me. Um, I think the best advice that I got was like reading uh, screenplays from from films that are that have been, you know, um, that have been made. And that was that was like, really eye-opening to me on how you know story was structured and inciting incident and you know three yeah. acts and you know like really studying the craft mm -hmm. because um as an actor you know we audition all the time and we read a lot of scripts and and I was like no I like want to make a really good script yeah. because if I'm going to use this as my calling card I want to be taken seriously and I want to at least have my screenplay be in the correct format um Right. So I took, you know, like writing my first feature, here I am five years later. Um, so what happened was 
I'm a huge Reddit fan. So I went on this Reddit uh, sub forum called No Sleep, which <laughs> if you guys have heard of it, have you guys heard of it? Oh, what is okay. No Sleep? It sounds like our alley though. Like, <laughs> is, that's why it, we laughed. <laughs> yeah, so what it is is that um, writers write short, short horror stories under the guise that they are true. Okay. Um, but you suspend your disbelief as readers. You know that they're not true, but... Um, this story totally gripped me. Um, it's called the Whistler series and it's actually pretty famous online. Like it has a real cult following. Like this has the subreddit, I think has 50 million active users. Yeah. And it was voted like top 10 story of all time. Um, and it's a story about, um, a haunted forest where there's a very distinct whistling noise and there's no creatures. There's no... Um, you know, there's no physical being that mm-hmm. whoever goes into this forest tries to find. Um, it's just the noise. So it's Oof. very much in the vein of bird box. Yeah. Um, and playing on, you know, like the psychological aspects of like, is it real or is it only real because other people say it's real? And I was like, this needs to be told on screen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I reached out to the author. Um, I optioned the story and I turned it into a screenplay. And, and I really took my time with it. It has been through so many iterations and so many drafts. And, you know, I, <laughs> I got coverage on it. Like my first coverage on the, on the blacklist was like a seven. Okay. And, and I was like, okay, that's like, pretty good. Yeah. This that's was like really good. First, first draft. And I was like, okay. So then I started you know, showing it to writer friends and, you know, getting feedback. And Kat, um, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but for yeah. our listeners, this is like something I didn't know about, like the yeah. blacklist and how yeah. it works. But for our listeners, can you just explain what sure. that organization sure. does? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So especially for new writers, like it's called getting coverage. Um, that was something that my writer friends were telling me that like, as a new writer, I needed to do. I didn't really know what it was either. So yeah. if you just Google like coverage for screenplays, it will pop up. But basically it's like you're paying for someone who's in the industry to read your script and not only like rate it in terms of like how good of a script it is, but how like they, how much they would see it as potentially being made, mm-hmm. you know, like, is right. it, is it going to be profitable? Is it, you know, something that audiences would like? Is it something that translates well? Like, does it fit into the genre? So it's like marketability, I think. And mm-hmm. and also like, is your screenplay structured in the right ways? So not only are you getting kind of like feedback in terms of just writing feedback, but also in marketability okay. also. And um, there's like a score sheet, like where right, they kind of do with so all those categories that you totally, just mentioned. Totally. And yeah. like, you know, does it's your character, are they having like, you, you know, are they reaching, you know, their, their changes that they need to change? And like, are they, is it all moving the story forward? Yeah, there's categories. And so the blacklist is pretty industry standard. It's like the one that like agents and producers like know about. Um, and they say that like, if your score, if your screenplay scores an eight or above, it's ready for production. Okay. And so like it's eight is like one rewrite away, nine and 10 is like you, it needs, like it should be made. Mm -hmm. And so for me to score a seven on my first draft, I was like, I'm one score. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like this is crazy. And so I took the notes to heart and 
you know, like really delved into character development and I'm really proud of the script and I started shopping it this year and I just entered a shopping agreement with a huge, huge, I can't say who, cause I'm under an NDA. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's going to get made. I already have an actor awesome. where we're looking at directors to attach and yeah, it's very, very exciting. Oh my gosh. That is so exciting. Congrats, Kat. That's Thank amazing. you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so, that doesn't uh, happen often. I just want to say like for any listeners that are new to the industry or whatever, like it, it never happens that quickly. And by quickly, I mean, I'm sure it still took no, a lot of time, yeah, but yeah. like number I, of drafts. I and yeah. I cannot believe it because I am in like screenwriting forums and, you know, and everything. And people always say like your first script, number one, never gets made. Like I kind of wrote it as like, this is my calling card. This is like using it more as like a resume mm-hmm. um like right. this is the type of writing that I can do because a lot of people say that you should have three scripts ready for potential meetings with managers or agents or production companies so I I did that I have three scripts this was just one of them mm-hmm. um and so I kind of just you know I didn't put too much pressure on myself like I just met people like relationships to me are like the number one like that's road to success for me is making relationships and so it just comes down to at the right place at the right time where you know you talk about the work that you have and if someone just at that time is like wow this is something that I'm looking for great oh if they're looking for a romantic comedy well I have that too are they looking for you know something else oh I have that too you know yeah but and so someone was looking for this and it just so happens that Netflix recently um optioned to Reddit no sleeps Mm. and so it's like super hot in the industry right now um and I knew that like I follow trends I read deadlines so I knew that pitching this at at the right time would, would strike gold. And it did. So, Oh, that's amazing. That's, that is another thing that like people kind of chalk it up to luck a lot of times, but really if you're paying attention to the trends and stuff that are going on and like knowing when the subject of your film is hot, you know, like that's the time. So. Yes. And I, and I hate to say like, people are like, well, should I write just for trends? And I, and I, don't want people to do that because it's like stifling creativity Mm -hmm. but um I think there's something to be said about studying trends and saying hey this is really trendy right now does it fit in with my voice you Mm -hmm. know like would my voice translate my writing voice translate into like what is kind of like being told in this moment Mm -hmm. um and like that's kind of like I don't know I feel like because sometimes people write scripts where they're amazing and they're great, but I don't know if they could ever get made because financially maybe it wouldn't make sense or, you know, concept wise, it wouldn't make sense. You always have to like keep that in mind too. Like if you want it produced by someone else who's going to pay for it, Mm -hmm. like would someone pay for this, you know? Right. Because it does come down to money. And it's like, if you want to self fund, like, go for it, you know, like do whatever you want. But like, man, once you get into like the real deal industry, like there's a lot of restrictions because everyone has notes, everyone has ideas and you have to be like adaptable and learn to like, you know, that saying of like, kill your darling, you know, like to like be able to let go of, of things that, you know, you love as a writer, but maybe in the production companies, I, you know, mind, it doesn't 
makes sense. Yeah. And that's, you know, you have to decide what's most important to you. Like, is is this story, this exact story, what you want to tell? Because people are going to give you notes and, you know, you have to take them with a grain of salt. If that's what you know you want to tell, then you have to be prepared to then, okay, well, if they don't want like this enough to pay for it, you know, but I want to keep it. Okay. How am I going to get this money? Versus like, if you just want to get a film out there or you, you know, you want to sell this film, like, okay, maybe you can be a lot more flexible with your content and take every everybody's notes and make those changes so yeah it's kind of deciding like what is most important to you it is and for me it's like a fine balance yeah because I want to keep my integrity as a writer you know like I'll never do something where it feels like the integrity of the story has changed and I see something and it's completely different on screen I never want that but I also am like okay if I need to change you know this and that I really liked that scene yeah Uh, but okay you know it's like finding the balance I think is important yeah have you um had those moments where you've kind of had to fight for your vision a little bit more yes absolutely and I'm getting better at it I mean it's difficult because as a creative you want you want it to be how you how you envision it in your mind Mm -hmm. you know And I also, you know, I'm learning, you know, as a woman and as a Latina, you know, like um, in the industry and being able to like stand up for myself too is something that I'm still like kind of having to learn. But the more I do it, it's like a muscle. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's, it's like finding again, the right balance of like learning how to say it, but also like. I don't know. It's like a dance, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I can see the notes and I can understand why, but also sometimes I've had to stay firm and be like, no, like this is what makes sense the most to the story. Yeah. But, but I also, that being said, I haven't gotten into like, once we attach a director, they're going to have their own notes. And I, and I have to be like, I have to like humble myself enough to go like, Hey, this is the director. And if they see a vision a certain way, mm-hmm. then and they feel like that's going to serve the story best, I have to kind of be like, okay, like, you have to learn how to like, you know, manage your expectations and also like learn how to work with people to like make the story the best it can possibly be. Absolutely. And even at that point, once you're completely happy with the script, you've talked to your director, all of that, like, no script is locked until you're done with production, because, you know, even on set, it can change. Completely. And we haven't even gotten into my pilot. And that's, that's, that's totally what's happening right now yeah. it's it's so my pilot is yeah let's get into that yeah, my pilot is called Elisa's almost 30 and I wrote the script years ago I wrote it in like 10 minute segments of like little Instagram blips mm-hmm. that I wanted to like put on social media and um and I wrote it because my cousin who was so amazing um her name was amber she came to visit me in like 2016 she lived in seattle and she was the most amazing vibrant beautiful outgoing hilarious girl and when she came to visit me in la like we got into all these insane crazy antics like (laughs) the first night i went out with her like we got invited to join a sex cult (laughs) i was like here for like five years and no one has asked me to join a sex cult like what is going on oh my god love <laughs> it about this like the crazy side of LA yeah no for sure and that was like pretty equivalent to my first year here oh my <laughs> god you got invited to a swing I was accidentally invited to a swingers dinner in Hollywood Hills you know 
Of course. Of course. Right? <laughs> and I didn't cool. know. Like, it was like, my friend invited me. I thought it was going to be a nice dinner party. Oh, we're here with a swingers couple. Cool, cool. <laughs> How do we get out of this oh hot tub? You know what I mean? Well, like, do we anything. stay? Do we linger? Do we observe? <laughs> it's like, it's money right there for like a filmmaker. Like, exactly. yeah. That was like free material. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tessa, I'm seriously digging Jambox. The fam needs to hear about their extensive music and sound effect library. I agree. Not only do they have a huge library created by Hollywood level composers, but you can search through it all based on criteria like genre and mood. Plus, they even have detailed stems you can use to create your own soundtracks from the elements they provide. You can literally be your own composer. 6,000 unique tracks and tens of thousands of stems, plus over 10,000 sound effects. Carolina, that's amazing. Oh, it gets better. They even gave us a discount code for our listeners. 10% off with Fem10. Connecting filmmakers with ridiculously good music and sound effects. Go and visit jambox.io and start leveling up your sound production. Exactly. Again, that's code Fem, F-E-M-M-E, 10 at jambox.io. And so I was like, I have to write, you know, this is so funny. Um, and so I wrote it, you know, for social media and then, um, you know, COVID happened and then tragically in 2017, she actually passed away and it was really, really difficult for me. It was very oh dramatic and, and very awful. And so over quarantine, you know, I like revisited the script as I was kind of like mourning her and, you know. And I was like, I want to do this for her mm-hmm. because like, she was so encouraging. She wanted to, to be in it with me. She was so proud of me. And I was like, I want to do this for her. And so I kind of developed the script a little bit more. Um, and I met my now director, Raquel Gardner. She actually used to be my neighbor and she is an industry veteran. She is like been acting for like 30 years. She owns the actor's mark which is an amazing amazing acting school she's an amazing acting teacher um and we really had kind of a heart to heart about the script and and she was like you need to put your life into this like I told her how you know what happened when I turned 30 is that um because I'd been playing with the idea that my main character is like on the brink of turning 30 Mm -hmm. and she was well what happened to you when you turned 30 and I was like well I'm adopted and so around my 30th birthday, my birth father reached out to me out of the blue and it really shook my world. Wow. Yeah. And she was like, Oh my God, like you need to put this in. And I was like, I don't know. Cause up until that point, you know, you write about your life Mm -hmm. and your story, you know, right. But to be so specific and to really like put myself into the story in terms of like, no, that's really me. And that really happened. And it's, it's not some obscure kind of like, you know, that's the best thing. stuff though. The more specific you are, like those are the, mo- like the script that I, we're working on for a feature, like a lot of those moments are literally what are segments of my life conversations that Tess and I've had conversations with the toxic people in my life, like literally even moments of what is in the script and like no one would really know. And I'm hoping that's why it's so unique and different in a way right. too, because 
it's literally those moments in my life that I've experienced. Right, right. And what I have found, it becomes way more relatable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Which is kind of like, you're like, really? Would people relate to this weird, obscure yeah, kind of moment? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I really kind of had to put my trust in her and go, okay, I'm going to be super vulnerable and really put in exactly what happened to me. And wow. And, you know, it has completely paid off because the more I talk about it, people are like, yeah, like, you know, I know so-and-so who's adopted or my, you know, sister is or my mom is or, you know, or maybe it's also like, yeah, you know, my parents weren't around and I lived with my grandparents. It's like, there's so many like iterations of like that type of story Mm -hmm. that are very, very relatable. Um, And so... I, I can't thank her enough for like encouraging me to like really put my heart and soul into it. So we kind of made it into like a real 30 minute pilot and we were really, really proud with what I wrote. And, you know, it's hilarious. Like if I can toot my own horn, like it is really funny. <laughs> and, um, it's kind of like a Latina bridesmaids meets Jane the Virgin meets Emily in Paris crazy her friends lives are a mess and like everyone's life is a mess but it's really funny and it's really relatable and it's like everyone's just trying to do their best and and figure themselves out on top of Elisa the main character like meeting her birth father and like finding her Latin culture and like she's a super white Latina because that's me I was adopted by two white people so even though I'm Latin American like I don't speak Spanish and Mm -hmm. and like having to like cross those kind of like cultural um barriers too and so it's a really really funny story and we shot it last year and oh my god like the cast that we got unbelievable like Salida Ebanks we have uh, Ryan Carnes and Manon Matthews and Matt McCain, and they're all working actors. Yeah, and I mean, just like an amazing cast. We got a five-time Emmy-winning DP. Nice. And it's just, it was a dream come true. Like, it was a total, total dream come true. Um, I did self-fund it. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I, it was, oh my God, like that can be a conversation. That was, yeah. that was but I did it knowing that, it would pay off. Mm-hmm. Like well, maybe when it comes out, like we can yeah. have another conversation yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 Um, let's just say it was money that my husband and I had been saving for a house. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. It caused a lot of stress. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It caused a lot, a lot of stress, but I kept telling myself that I'm doing this for a reason. Yeah. Right. And I will say, you know, you're, you were producing very, very smartly by, you know, getting name talent, having a DP that is, you know, Emmy nominated, all of this, like, so putting your own money into a project that at least like you're checking all the boxes of, you know, like a successful film essentially. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, well, name talent will only come on if like the production value is like, you know, is financially beneficial they're not going to come on I'm sorry to say if it's like you know something that they they need to feel like it has legs yeah you know and so I had to like kind of swallow a hard pill and go look like I'm gonna have to put a lot of money into this um because if I want it to look right and uh do it justice it it is going to cost a lot Mm -hmm. um and it did and 
but I'm really proud of it. I think it looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. And we're already pitching it. And I have some amazing meetings. And again, I can't say with who, but it's, it's really, really exciting. I mean, really exciting. And if it, if I didn't have these names attached and if it wasn't this high quality, I don't know if I would be getting in these rooms Mm -hmm. to be honest. So, yeah. Um, that's huge. No, those are definitely the things that we hear time and time and again is like quality of production and having names helps so much. (laughs) Oh my God. Incredibly, incredibly. And yeah. And I'm, and I'm about to sign with like a major, major manager. Thanks to one of the name talents. It's, you know, his manager. And we just began having a really great working relationship. And I knew that I wanted to hold out for like the best of the best in terms of management and representation. Mm -hmm. And so like all these things that I've been planning and plotting, it's like they're coming to fruition because I worked really hard and like had a very specific plan. Yeah, And I knew that it would take a long time, but I was just like, okay, I've got to just like stick with it because, you know, it, it took a, it took a long time to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we both. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> and I was going to, another thing I was going to ask with reaching out to name talent, because um, I'm sure our listeners would be curious, like, it's not just sending an email, is it? Like, we, we had, we've had our own experience, but it's usually like a connection that you've made. And like, that's probably the best way to come out is trying yeah. to make those connections. For sure. More genuine, I mean, but yeah. It, it's, it's different in terms of like where your project is mm-hmm. because I put the project out on breakdown express, like to go to agents. Okay. Um, so breakdown express goes to agents and actors access is more for like just going to the actors. Yeah. And okay. Okay. Got it. Because I was producing under SAG, I needed to have SAG actors because I'm myself and SAG and because I had, you know, a name director already. And we also had the DP attached, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like that was, I think the starting point is like having a name director and having someone in your crew that's like, you know, name, yeah. because then all of a sudden, you know, the, the people that represent the name actors are going to be like, okay, well, at least you know, this is serious. Mm-hmm. This you is know, a like, high, pro- yeah. you can, you, yeah. The, yeah, it has credibility for being a high production. Like they're not wasting their time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Especially because it's a pilot too. It's like, okay, well that, I mean. Could get bought uh, and then yeah. recurring roles. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that was a good negotiating tactic too. And so, um, so then when people started, their agents started submitting, I was like, holy moly, like, I can't believe these people are submitting, you know? That's so exciting. And so, yeah, they auditioned. And then, you know, I started talking with the agents and negotiating the rates and, you know, negotiating if they wanted to come on as executive producer. And, you know, Ryan, um, we've become really good friends. He is co-executive producer of, of the project, and he's also the male lead. And so it's like, all of a sudden, once you get like the ball rolling with like one person, it's like, then another person will come on and then another person will want to come on. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, like I have a project that has amazing people. Um, Makes sense. But you you have to have a budget and you do have to have like credible people already attached. Like it's much more difficult to get people attached when it's just script Mm -hmm. form because people there's no budget attached yet 
you know, like actors are going to be like, well, how am I going to get paid? Um, Mm -hmm. So that is something that's like, I haven't totally mastered that yet. And so we're trying, that's why we're trying to attach to my feature a director. Mm -hmm. You know, we already have Ryan, he's attached as an actor. So that helps. Right. But, but yeah, it's like, um, forming relationships and, and, you know, like finding just that one person that you can attach that maybe, you know, through a friend of a friend. And it's like, if your script is amazing, people are going to want to work with you because that was the number one thing that these actors told me was like, I read your script and I just was like, this is hilarious. I want to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's such an amazing feeling to have too, to hear that. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's not something that I've totally has sunken in yet that it's like these are my words <laughs> no, right. being a producer you kind of like have to like step out of yourself and you know like yeah work in a different hat and writer me hasn't fully like come to terms of like oh my god those are my words on the screen. <laughs> yeah it's 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 interesting to always to step into the different positions you know and to have to kind of like either hype yourself up or like totally remove your ego and like just yeah yeah it's weird yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. because for sure it's like for my pilot I was executive producer I was lead role I was the writer you know and I was also like facilitating every you know I was like the AD too all right so like there was no time for ego like I just no literally didn't have time because I was so just concerned with how everything was running. And I think that's best because if your ego gets in the way, oh my God, I couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I was like, no, I want to be like lit like this, or if I want, you know, this word needs to stay in, like it would just cause so much strife and, and time and energy. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's a really good point. And that's kind of like, I know when we get into filming, um, that's just like, I just want to get the work made and be allow for the improvisation of like what's happening to happen. Cause that's where the magic happens. Like I hear it all the time. Like I, it's great to have the format and like know what you're doing. Yes. You need that. But then just like letting it roll with it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just, just letting that you get the best moments or like the improv or whatever it is, like the best things come from those moments. Completely, completely. And also like having the set and the director like on that same page of like, that's a good point. Yes. Allowing things to happen because there are some directors and rightfully so that may be their vision of like, no, it needs to be exactly how it's said. But especially for comedy, I feel like it should be way more open and allow for improvisation because yeah, the best parts were when the actors felt so loose and comfortable and like played with the words and we got amazing amazing stuff (laughs) hilarious stuff that's that's really that's a really good point yeah just like letting them and it gives them a chance to bring more of themselves to the role too totally totally and it's like that's when everyone has fun like if your set and crew and cast is having fun like that should be like the number one goal. Yeah, like everyone yeah. should be well fed, well hydrated, and having a really good time. 
Yes. <laughs> Very yes, much yes, agree. Yes. <laughs> All the important things. And to put this into perspective, like how long basically did this whole project take from like conception to now where you are that it's finished and you're pitching? So I would say, I mean, I came up with the idea in like 2015, but it was such a different idea. I, I don't, you know, it was about, is about my cousin and our antics. Mm-hmm. Like when I transformed it into Elise's almost 30 was in 2020 when I met Raquel um, and really developed it with her. So I would mm-hmm. say from 2020 to today, and mm-hmm. we're not even, we're like not even finished. We're, um, we're cutting a sizzle and our, our editor who is amazing. Um, his name is Chris Chandler. He's actually the editor on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Nice. He had to go oh. to another show called Blind Spotting. And so our pilot is like 90% done, but we still need to do pickup shots. And mm. um, we kind of like made the executive decision because so many people are interested in it right now. Mm-hmm. That That's why we're cutting a sizzle. Um, and that's what we're using as like our pitch, our pitch material. And we have like let people know that we're meeting with, hey, we have this like 90% done pilot. But, and so if you want to see that, that's fine. <clears throat> it's a, but we also have come to terms with whoever's going to buy it is going to reshoot the pilot anyways. Mm-hmm. So we're like, why spend another 30,000 to like finish it yeah. when we could potentially, when potentially I mean, 99% likely that they'll reshoot it anyways. So that's really important, I think, to understand when you're going through this and making yes. those tough calls. Yeah. Yes. That like most of the time it's gonna be reshot unless you happen to have all the budget, it's perfect and you're just packaging and go. But with pilots, it's a little different. Like yeah, than a short can... film to a feature. Like totally. you know? that's completely different. Completely completely different because a pilot yeah. even if it's perfect because ours is beautiful and amazing <laughs> you know shot by amazing people but right. it's not even about that it's about like a network is going to want to use their people mm-hmm. and they're going to want to use their look and they're going to want to use the, the cameras that they always use so it's kind of like mm-hmm. even if it is perfect there's still so many other variables that when someone else pays for it they're going to want a cohesive look for the entire season mm-hmm. they wouldn't want a pilot that looks completely different than the rest of the you know nine episodes right <laughs> yeah. right so, <laughs> exactly <laughs> that would be so, weird yeah. and so that was really difficult for me it still is difficult because you know I'm so proud of this work and I just want to see it finished yeah but I also have to like be a business person mm-hmm. and be like okay what's the best business decision for this um because I wanted to, I wanted to like submit it to film festivals. I wanted to screen it and maybe that will still happen. I don't know, mm-hmm. but like financially and business wise, it just seems the best decision to, you know, go with this sizzle and, and. Why do I feel like you could submit it? You probably oh, would, oh, we could, could oh, we and could. should submit it regardless of like, Everyone shots. I talked to is like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. it's so funny. Like, we, you know, yeah. there's like two little missing parts where there needs to be pickup shots and there's little title cards over it. And it's like, yeah, we get it. We get what's supposed to happen there. And yeah. You don't even need to reshoot this. Like, yeah, it could just be fine as is. And so my director and I are kind of like perfectionists, yeah. you know? 
And so like, that's something that I think a lot of filmmakers need to come to terms with of like, you know, yeah. and that's still something that I'm learning. It's like, it's probably good as is. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a feeling it is. I haven't even seen it. It but is, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and I, I have a feeling that they're going to want to see it, and I have a feeling they're going to love it, and that maybe will give me validation that yes. it's fine. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's difficult. It's not something that I've mastered yet because it's like mm-hmm. I want it to be perfect, perfect, yeah. you know, but I don't know if it will ever be that. I think that's really difficult for, like, content creators, filmmakers, but even like down to the actor. It's like yeah. you always want everything to be perfect, but sometimes you really just have to let go of it. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, it's even like, again, I, I, I try to relate a lot of things to acting because that's where I started out. I know we have a lot of actors that listen to this podcast too. Um, but it's like getting your headshots, you know, deciding which yeah. ones to use. It's like you don't, you can't just use the pretty ones that you think you look perfect in. You got to <laughs> use the ones that are going to book you. And sometimes it's a weird, quirky one or whatever, you know, so... Yeah, got to let go of the ego. (laughs) Totally. And so this is like my version of like my ultimate headshot. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) it's like it's like, no, this is great as is like, yeah, show it to the world. Like it will be amazing. And I'm just like, but it's just (laughs) a little bit, a little bit more work. It's like self-taping, you know? Yeah, as an actor, and then doing like fifty takes, and you're like, because the next one will be the perfect one. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, no, the first one was probably the best one. Usually is. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we feel but that's the same still way. Something that I haven't mastered, and something we're literally it's we're working on right now. And I wish mm-hmm. I had a better answer. And I think that's another reason why, like, producing maybe it's like when I go into my feature, I don't want to be in charge of this Mm -hmm. because I don't want this to happen. It's like, I want someone else to be like, no, like this is like, we're running with it. Yeah. You know, taking it out of my hands because I don't want to spend five years in post of like, well, you know, this shot should be here. And this shot, it's like, you can only rework something so many times. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We, we learned that too. It's just, and that's the thing. I think this was your first bigger project. You poured so much of your own money and time and effort yeah. that you can't, of course, this first one's going to feel like that. But I yeah. think the more you do it too, like you said, it, you're going to grow and it's going to become easier. Or you have someone else yes. like me. I'll come in yes. and be like, no, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Girl, it's amazing. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I need, you yeah. know. And that's what everyone is telling me. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> you gotta, and that's, but that's good. You gotta, it's good that your team also feels that way mm-hmm. because yeah. that's also like credibility, right? And that's yes. things that you can like listen to. So I'm so excited for you. This is, this, I, I can't wait to see it. What, when it comes out, where it comes yes. out, yeah. you gotta let us know. I was gonna yes. say, please keep us updated with this. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. I'm so, so excited. It's so funny. I'm so proud of it. And I'm like, you know what? Like I have a comedic voice. Like mm-hmm. I like, okay. Yeah. Was that surprising? Um, I mean, my parents have always laughed at my jokes, so maybe I like grew up thinking that I was funnier than I <laughs> um, no, that's good. Told me I was like naturally funny, 
but I didn't really allow a lot of people to see that side of me because mm. I like I don't know I wanted to be like taken seriously as like a serious filmmaker you know yeah. in real life I'm pretty like goofy and quirky and dorky and like say really weird funny things so yeah it has allowed myself to like be way more um like nurturing of that side of me and going yeah. like okay like people can see it and people I think think that it's funny so yeah I want to explore that more for sure I want to explore that side for sure I love yeah. that and I'm so excited for you like this is it's you've been having so much success so far and and you know getting where you want to with your projects and stuff so like you're only going to get more successful like you know the momentum is there and I'm just so Thank excited you. to see where it takes you and for our listeners, too, so they can follow your journey. Um, if you want to share any social media links, any of that kind of stuff where they can find you. Absolutely. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is Kat Guerin, K-A-T-G-E-R-E-N. And then follow along on Elisa's Almost 30 Instagram because that's where he posts like behind the scenes and major news coming. So it's just at Elisa's Almost 30, like three zero. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Kat, this was such an enjoyable conversation. So many great takeaways. I think our listeners are really going to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was cool to like get into the TV pilot format because that's something mm -hmm. we don't talk about a lot on the show. It's more like features. So that was really awesome to like see and understand that side. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. Uh, I love you guys. I love following along. But I love what you do on Instagram of just promoting, you know, female filmmakers and, and you know, females in the industry because, you know, like we're, we're a team. We all got to support each other. Agreed. Agreed. 1000%. And I, and I want to make that clear too, is like, I have those moments where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, like, can I just like give up and go to an island and never have to like... <laughs> Think about it. Right. Think about it. Exactly. <laughs> but then I go, no, this is like what I love to do. Like I'm so yeah. close, you know, like yeah. don't give up. So like it happens to everyone, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And right. you know, like you just have to keep going and like something will happen. Like well, and that's what was really inspiring too in this episode, um, to leave on this note that you like it's clear how much time and work you put in but it's achievable like to do all of that is it takes a lot but then when you're being smart and proactive about it it does lead you to where you are now with more connections and mm -hmm. resources and to be able to create more which is all that we ever want to do is just create more exactly. and live in our art yeah exactly you just like I think that's what like really determines success is like you just you have to just do it. Like mm -hmm. just work so incredibly hard, like all the time. Yeah. And it will pay off. It will. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support. So please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the FemFam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.